Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your hands. Let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work Ram Zone. I hope you're never the same. We got a special show today. We got Dr. Joseph Doxa. He's a pastor of Glory Life Church. And I and I, I heard about him and I don't even remember how we got connected. And I, I gotta start making better notes of that. Martha, if you're listening, just smack me up the upside the head so I can remember how we actually got this connection. But we're talking about how he challenges his congregation each and every week to recognize their workplace is their mission field. Pastor Joseph Doxa, Dr. Joseph, can I just call you Joseph? Would that be okay? That's fine. You got a, you got a <laughs> lot of titles. Talk to me about how crisis make a difference, making a difference in your life today. Well, thank you so much, Jim. I appreciate being on uh, being on the uh, on the radio with you. Um, I am so excited about my relationship with God and what has grown to be my relationship, my wife's relationship, our children's relationship. I'm blessed with a lovely wife, Cindy, and four children, and uh, God has really brought us into his fold, and we have grown in ministry. As I was discussing with you earlier, we grew up in Maryland. All my children were born within the Maryland, Virginia area, and they were all born into Christianity. When my wife and I got uh, saved and born again, we've never left. We've never found a reason to leave. We just we just uh, understood that we have been blessed and we are part of a much larger family. To be very specific, the biggest thing that has touched my wife and I is really based off of a scripture 
that uh, has grown to be the founding scripture of our ministry, and that's Proverbs 3, uh, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, in everything you do, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. We see God as a father, a heavenly father, someone who cares about us consistently. Even when we're not thinking about ourselves, he thinks about us. And I've grown to understand that because he cares for me so so much, because he gave so much to me, he's done that not only for me, not only for my wife, not only for my children, but all of us together. Christ died for each and every one of us. Amen. So as I grew to learn all this and understand it, I just uh, I am firmly assured that I'm connected with the King of Glory. But you weren't born in Maryland. You said you were born in Lagos, Nigeria. Yes, I was. So how how did you get here? Uh, my parents are diplomats. Oh, and, okay. Yeah, and that's how that's how we came to the United States. And uh, once uh, we were in the United States and went through uh, school, uh, and uh, as I was in uh, the University of the District of Columbia, I continued my education when they went back, and I've I've become a naturalized. Citizen. So where did you hear about Christ? I heard about Christ, believe it or not, through my wife. She's the one who started listening to uh, Christian music while I was a DJ. <laughs> and oh, you can, you I actually can had some radio experience, and I hadn't thought about that. Okay. <laughs> you can imagine how that relationship worked. But uh, she was incredibly persistent, and um, uh, I finally agreed to go to church with her. And uh, in one of the services, I really felt touched by the Lord, and I gave my life, and I have not looked back ever since. We're talking today with Pastor Dr. Joseph Doxa from Glory Life Church. Find out more about their ministry online at doxainternationalministries.org, but international is I-N-T-L. We'll have a post it on Facebook later tonight. Now, Joseph, talk to me about you met your wife in high school. You said you met her. No, you met her in college. That's right. You were both diplomats' children. Right. From Nigeria. That's correct. And you'd known each other since you were 18. That's correct. Okay. But she then drags you to church, and that's how you come to Christ. That's how I came to Christ. And uh, I haven't turned back ever since. And uh, what's amazing about it is uh, she kept going. She kept going. And she just insisted that I should try going with her. I only went with her twice. The second time, I gave my life to Christ. Wow. Powerful message. Indeed, it was. Wow, that's cool. So, but you didn't immediately become a pastor. You guys had a business career before you guys uh, ended up being in the ministry together. Talk about that path and how God led you to where you are today. Well, actually, before uh, business, um, I used to work at the British Telecom and uh, had an opportunity to travel extensively at British Telecom. And in so doing, that's when I started doing business uh, on the side. But uh, I have to say that uh, once we had accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, uh, we now uh, were just so engaged and we yielded and opened up to uh, participating in, in the church. And uh, I, one thing that I think was a true blessing for Cindy and I were we were hungry. Mm. We just wanted to know more. Uh, we saw the lives of uh, the leaders that were around us, and we wanted to know what's the best way to become like those leaders. Uh, in her capacity in, in, in working, she was a leader. In my capacity at British Telecom, I was a leader. Mm. So, uh, and I've gone through so many trainings, you know, uh, uh, trainings that help you be a good leader. So it, it pretty much set us up that in, how can you become a leader within the Christian arena? 
So in so doing, uh, we asked the leadership of the church, and they told us that there were trainings and classes that we needed to participate in, and we just threw ourselves into it. We focused in two key areas, prayer and deliverance. And we went through 12 years of intense hands-on uh, Bible study and actual uh, uh, on-hands uh, training. I just made all the Baptists listening today, all their hair just fell right off the top of their head. Now I'm a Baptist and I'm good with that. I like my hair falling <laughs> off my head. Because that's one of, the, one of the things that I have learned in my walk with the Lord now almost 37 years is the power of prayer. But it wasn't, honestly, the I, I, I've been praying all my life, but I learned the power of prayer when I started in 2005 commuting to Orlando mm. every day from the beach, from Indian Rocks Beach to Orlando every day, 90 minutes. And I made a commitment right at the beginning that I would never turn my radio on in the morning because I'm a talk radio junkie. <laughs> Somehow that I also ended up on the radio, which that's never related. And I started praying for my coworkers and employees. I started praying for my bosses and I started praying for my kids and, and and my family, and, and I had this list of people, and it started to transform my life. It started to transform the bitterness and the anger I needed to work through. It was amazing. So the prayer thing and the deliverance thing, I have seen the power of prayer in helping deliver people. But there's often, I mean, sometimes you got to gang up on people and pray, and sometimes you need to fast and gang up on people and pray. But it's, it's an amazing thing that the churches really don't focus. They used to have prayer meetings. Yeah. But they don't have prayer meetings anymore because nobody would come. Because nobody really understood what the power of prayer was all about. Indeed. And that's, it's an unfortunate thing. So we got to talk about that because I think that the focus on prayer and deliverance, because we all were delivered from our sins. And sometimes there's the enemy fights harder in, in allowing people to be delivered. So when you, I want to dig into that a little bit deeper. But first, let's hear the rest of your story. So you you started getting trained up, and you're learning about prayer. You learn about deliverance. You learn about leadership within within the you know, the Christ following church. Right. How did God get you to be a pastor? Um, once we pretty much completed our training, um, I was under the impression that what was going to happen at that stage because uh, I really enjoyed where I was. Uh, I was an elder in a big church, over two thousand people. Mm. And uh, my, my wife was also in leadership, and um, I I was managing uh, 45 deacons, and uh, I think we had about six um, uh, other elders. I was uh, teaching in the Bible school, and I'm talking about after about 12 sure. years, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm like, this is cool. And then <laughs> exactly, this know, is cool. This is really cool. This is kind of like where I wanted to be. I sat on a lot of the committees uh, with our bishop and the leadership of the church, and then all of a sudden, you know, we get and you're this... you're growing in business too at the same time, and your your rank within British Telecom kept going up as well, didn't it? Absolutely. And then all of a sudden, we're hearing go to Tampa, and I'm like, I don't know anybody in Tampa. It's like I have work for you to do in Tampa. You know, my wife received a number of dreams and things, and I received dreams and confirmation that we're supposed to go to Tampa. I'm like, honey, do you know anyone in Tampa? Because I don't. So neither one of us knew anyone <laughs> so When God Tampa. gives you a dream of Tampa, does it have dolphins or palm trees? Which one does it have? <laughs> no, I'm being serious. I mean, because seriously, from a guy from Maryland who's gone through, I, I mean, I grew up in Maryland until I was almost 10, lived in Minnesota. I mean, Tampa's pretty attractive just from a weather standpoint. Mm. But when God told you to go to Tampa, what did it what did it look like? I mean, how did he, how did he say that to you? Um, pretty much the way I explained it, uh, what I, what I had experienced, I'd been here for training. Okay. Right. Uh, one of our business trainings, uh, I used to be, uh, in the training field okay. in, in BT. I did a lot of the training. I, 
I uh, uh, installed uh, audiovisual studios in UK, here, and a variety of places. But anyway, um, my vision of what I saw for Tampa was basically palm trees. That, that was I believe that. That. That, that was about it. And um, we then told our bishop, there's something that's going on. Uh, we need to take about a month off, and we're going to seek God's face. I did this. Uh, we had a prayer group. Neat. Uh, about uh, one, two, three. There are about three different families that came together. Uh, and we used to pray. And this is one thing why prayer is so important to Cindy and I. And it's so important at our church. God was the one who spoke to us to start praying for the leadership of our church in Maryland without telling our bishop. He had us call the names of all the leaders. We used to go from our home to the homes of these other groups and just travail in prayer. Jim, I'm talking about from midnight to about 4 a.m. Mm. All right. When we just travailed in prayer for these people, we had a cell group. Whatever we discussed within our cell group, pretty much uh, the scriptures, that's what came on uh, the word on Sunday. We were so lined up with hmm. the spirit because we were so involved in praying for the leadership of the church. To complete your, your, the, the answer to your question, um, we took some time. And uh, Cindy and I, it ended up being, rather than four weeks, it was three months just waiting on God saying, please, we, you know, we really like what, what we're hearing is very uncomfortable. He didn't tell us to just, <laughs> he, he didn't tell us to just, you know, uh, try to, you know, get comfortable and then move. He said, give your stuff away and then come down to Tampa. Yeah, we had some nice stuff. You know, and that's what ended up happening. We obeyed exactly what he said, and that's how we came down here. Once we're here for uh, a couple of years, uh, we connected with some uh, uh, ministry leaders, um, spiritual leaders that we had. They helped finance the starting of the ministry, and that's how we started. Wow. So God called you just like he did the Rick Young Ruler and said, hey, sell it all. Follow me. Yeah. Well, actually, give it all. Come follow me. Mm-hmm. Wow. So that was, the, I imagine that was tough. How, how old were your kids when you moved down here? Um, eight years ago. So Okay, so. Yeah. You know, eight. Eight and up. Yeah. Wow. So was it tough on them? Yeah, very tough. Our oldest one didn't want to come. You know, she, she didn't want to come. And Jim, this is no joke. She went to uh, Palm Atlantic. Uh, uh, Palm Beach Atlantic? Palm Beach Atlantic uh, University. A prophetess came to one of their services. And called her out and informed her. She doesn't know this lady from a can of paint and said, your father asked you guys to move to Tampa. Said, if you had not left, you would have passed. Wow. Wow. And that's the kind of stuff that people don't, (laughs) within the body of Christ, people don't realize if you would just take time to listen, you can hear the voice of God. He won't ever yell. But we need, just like you said, you took 80 days, two months to, uh, uh, three months to, you said three months, right? And I was thinking 80 days because Elijah had to run for 40, 40 days one way in order to hear the voice of God, then ran 40 days back. But so 90 days to be able to hear the voice of the Lord and make sure that what he was telling, and you're just going, really, Lord? No, no, no. Wait a minute. minute. What are you saying? No, there's something wrong. Wait a minute. I think we got a bad connection. So... The Lord moved you to Tampa. The Lord told you and Cindy, hey, I need you to move, sell everything, move to Tampa. You bring your family down. You said it was a couple of years, though, before you met some people that were, that were ready to, to um, finance the starting of the church. So what did you do in the meantime? Were you still working for British Telecom? No. 
Um, actually, uh, in the meantime, I was uh, working at a company, a local company here. I worked at a company for possibly about uh, a little over two years. And after the call of ministry was just so heavy on Cindy and I, uh, that's when we, we moved forward to start with uh, the ministry. All right. So your church, Glory Life Church, where'd you come up with the name? Um, the name came basically from uh, what God had been giving to us all along, that he wanted us to be vessels to shine his glory. Um, on a consistent basis, he, he kept uh, bringing to our minds uh, Isaiah uh, 61, Arise and shine, for your light is come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. you know, and he said there is a glorious life for, that his people can live. And he wanted us to be expressions of that glorious life. And he said, in our church, there are five basic things that we focus on. Number one, God has assigned us to pray for his people and teach other people to pray for his people. Uh, healing. Heal his people, teach other people to heal uh, uh, people within their circle of influence. The same thing with deliverance. Deliver his people, teach other people to do the same. Disciple his people. And beyond any shadow of doubt, love his people. He said, if you do these things, you don't even have to have some kind of evangelism strategy. It'll just bring the people to you. Sure. You just do these things. Oh, yeah, it'll absolutely attract people. So, you know, I understand when you talk about healing, and you know, I know that you're talking about healing from health issues, but also I know that you're also talking about the inner healing that comes from absolutely. the restoration in Christ. Absolutely. And a lot of people get twisted on the whole word healing. And, and I just like to back people up. I said, wait a minute. I know what my life was like on the inside before I met Christ, and I know what my life is like now, and there's been a lot of healing and restoration going on Amen there. Amen to that. <laughs> hey, you know, I just got a Fox News update, and I want to make sure that we take some time to pray, because it, apparently there's been another shooting, in, and it's in San Bernardino, California, and I don't really know a lot, but it does say that 12 people are dead. And so I just want to take a minute, and we're just going to stop right now and uh, just pray for those families in San Bernardino. Father, we don't know a lot of details, but we do know that our world is a broken world. And uh, this is just another sign, the shooting in San Bernardino is just another sign of, of the hopelessness of people in our society. Lord, help us as Christ followers to be an example to those in our workplaces to share the hope that we have in Christ, because that's what's going to save this world, not eliminating guns, not politicizing another event, but to save people in the name of Jesus Christ. And, and Father, I know that you, you send Jesus to die on the cross so that we could live in a relationship with you, that we would have hope for this life. And I know desperately that there are people listening right now on the show and maybe people listening later on the podcast that have lived in hopelessness. And we know that in Christ, we have all hope because of a future we have with you and that our eternal relationship starts with you the minute we put our trust and faith in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross for us. So Father, I just lift up the families of those that have been killed today. And it's not just been in San Bernardino. People have been killed across the world. Some for their faith, some in car accidents, some in, in any in lots of other different things, but specifically in San Bernardino. Lord, I just pray for those families that there would be Christ followers that would surround them with the comfort that we have in our Heavenly Father. And we just lift all this up in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I don't do that very often because I don't date stamp my shows very often, but when stuff like that happens, you just have to step back and go, why is our... Our world is left with such hopelessness, and that's your job and my job every day is to recognize people. Hey, there is hope out there. There, there is hope. 
but they get so it, it, it sometimes it just gets lost because if you watch the news every day, you think there's no hope. <laughs> I recommend people just cancel cable, eliminate commercials, stop watching the news. You can read the news, but you got to be picky on where you read the news too. When you launch this church as a as a ministry to the community, to to teach people to pray, to seek healing, to seek deliverance, to be discipled, to love those people in the community. How what what was the vision in your mind of how you're going to reach because Everybody but you and your wife in there, they're, they're, they're working in the community all day long. I mean, they, they, got, they got jobs where they're working, surrounded by non-Christ followers. How, what was the vision God gave for you to touch them, to help them recognize their ministry? How can we serve? That's, that's, the found, that's the foundation. How can we help make a difference in the lives of others? Um, on a consistent basis, uh, we take a look at the scripture that I spoke to you about, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like invite God into every situation. That's what that means when it says don't lean on your own understanding. You see, as, just as you were praying right now that you said it's a broken world, if we do things based on our own knowledge, our own understanding, we consistently fall short. <laughs> so the reality of it is let's, as the, the Lord has informed us and advised us over and over again, bring him into whatever it is that we're doing. And he says he will direct our paths. And I love that because that's why I open up with Romans 12, 2 every day. I mean, every day for, for all 450 shows, I've opened it up with don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Because it is just as you said, when we rely on our own understanding, we rely on the cultural uh, standards, which are so low. I don't even know how you can reach that low anymore. We're just, it's just all broken. Why would we rely on something that's broken? But to trust in the Lord with all of our heart and to, to recognize that our own understanding is so minute. And and all you have to do is look at a Hubble Space Telescope picture and realize how minute we really are. Indeed. I, and, I, and I bring that up all the time on my show because I remember when the Hubble got launched out of the space shuttle when I was in high school. And I think, that's cool. But then when I started seeing the pictures, and then now that they know that they've got pictures of of galaxies, 7 billion light years in one direction and 7 billion light years in another. And it was just all for God's glory because there's nobody else living out there. You're like, wow. And and Abraham was told, hey, you're going to have descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. And yet he didn't know those stars were 7 billion light years. He had no idea. I mean, I just think that's fascinating because it's only been the last 30 years we even know what the galaxy looks like. Right. We've got Pastor Joseph Doxa and his wife, Cindy, who's also a pastor in the church, Glory Life Church in Tampa. Welcome back to I Work For Him. Okay, you guys are supposed to say thank you. Thank you. Okay, good. Okay, all right. We're having some fun here today. Now, did you leave Grace in the car? Because I thought she was going to join us. She she didn't want to come on the air. She said, oh, that's, that's why she got lost. She didn't want to be on the air today. All right, I really want to hear, let's just get, get transparent and personal on this. So you guys launched this church. How many years ago did you actually launch the church? Four years. Okay. So being a pastor of a church, what, here's what I know. Being a pastor is a brutal job. Being a pastor's wife is also a brutal job. And I'm not sure which one's more brutal, but I think it's probably more the pastor's wife is because the, the congregation has such huge expectations for you and you're not getting paid. Now, maybe in your, because you guys are doing this together, maybe you're getting paid, maybe not. But as a team, as a husband and wife team, you guys are the lead example of marriage in your community. You're the lead example of parenting in your community. You're the lead example of morality in your community. People are watching you going, okay, well, if Joseph and Cindy do it, then it must be okay. And you're like, no, 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 we're not the standard. But I know that it's, they expect you to be perfect. 
yet it's in, we're not perfect. So how do you deal with the pressure as a pastor and pastor's wife? How do you guys deal with that pressure to be that example and also, but to be real? Indeed. Um, beyond any shadow of a doubt, praying together, uh, spending quality time together. You know, that's that's just been uh, one of the biggest sources of our success. Um, we do whatever it takes to help each other be able to stand strong. And uh, there are times that, uh, you know, I need the support and Cindy's there for me, for me. And there are times that she needs the support that I'm there for her. Uh, communication. It's paramount that we share information as quickly as possible. Uh, just, just the way our own children are, that if a child knows, well, dad will say yes and mom <laughs> would say no. There's some people in the church that if I can get it from from Pastor's wife, I think I'll go to Pastor's wait, wife wait, rather wait, than go so to So first pastor. of all, you're, you're saying your children aren't perfect, but they're pastor's kids. No, they're not perfect. Yeah, and so they, they know how to manipulate. Isn't it amazing? Yeah. People think kids are born perfect. Yeah. And I'm like, wait a minute. I never had to teach my kid to lie. I never had to teach my kid to steal. I never had to teach my kid to whack his sister or brother over the top of the head or the, or the whole, I, I never, I never taught him how to manipulate mom or dad in order to get their own way. So Cindy, as you are in this, you guys have given up your careers and, and started a new career as pastors in this church, Glory Life Church. And you can find out more about them online at doxa, D-O-X-A-I-N-T-L, ministries.org, or call them, on, call them 813-735-6728. And I'll put that all on Facebook tonight. Cindy, what's the, how have you been stretched in your faith as a pastor's wife that you didn't expect? It's okay. Just one time. You're just being real, and it's okay. I've been so stretched, um, stretched, you know, in this walk of the God, you know, that uh, me and my husband uh, are doing. It's, it's not been easy, but um, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I was able to do it. You know, um, we go through our own um, struggle just like everyone else. But um, we just um, depend on the word of God and, um, you know, get by. That's good. I love that. Just simple. Love that. You know, and, and she, I like the way she put that, that uh, it's, to me, what she just said is we're like everyone else. The problems and issues that there are in all other families, we experience those too. But, you know, being leaders and being such an example to so many other people, uh, the majority of folks don't look at you as pastor and pastor's wife as having issues. Like, you should have all the answers. Yeah, you you have a direct route to the Holy Spirit. You have a direct <laughs> route to God. He answers you, I mean, instantly. So, hey. And do you, do you love pointing it back out to them that, um, by the way, you have the same access I do? Do you ever point that out to people and go, wait a minute? We're not risen above you. We're not above you. We're all part of the body of Christ. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, we have a habit of doing that frequently, uh, encouraging folks that our duty is to hold your hand and connect your hand to Jesus. So we just, nice. we, yeah, we get Do your hand. hand off. That's there, good. There, there you go. And you have access to what we have access to. So all of us are holding on to Jesus. He is our source. 
So we are just conduits. We're vessels. We're tools in, in, in the hands of the Lord. Hey, I want to thank Cheryl calling in from Tampa. We won the book. We'll get that out to you here in the next couple of days and so that you could start doing the Advent devotional with your family. So let's talk about specifically because we're running out of time. And I really want to hear has you, how you guys as pastors and as pastors in this church, the Glory Life Church, you know, what I know as a guy that goes to church, I know that every week I need to be encouraged about how I approach my workplace as my mission field, mm-hmm. because it's very easy as you've been, you work for British Telecom all those years. And then didn't you do commodities trading too, or there was, yes. yeah. Okay. So you've lived the wild ride because if you did commodities trading, I don't think there's any wilder than that. I know that it's very easy to get self-sufficient and it's very easy to um, think I got to figure it out. And I almost have to be reminded hourly that, wait a minute, this is not about, it's not about what I do. It's about who I serve. How do you help your congregation recognize that their workplaces are bishop field? What are you doing to specifically go, hey, wait a minute, I'm not the only pastor here. What God has made so simple and clear for all of us, and we continue to encourage uh, the congregation about is we are equipped as we come to church, as we sit under his teaching, as we sit under his anointing, we are equipped to make a difference in our work environment. Being more specific, we are sent out just the way Jesus sent the two out. We are sent out to make a difference in whatever environment, in our in our families, with our relatives, uh, wherever we, we participate in sports and where we work. Wherever it is, we are the light in a dark world. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? You don't hide the light. You place it above where everyone can see it. You know, people are looking for the light. People are looking for a good Amen. example. People are looking for someone who will who will say something different from what everyone else says. So when you know a coworker's child is in a hospital or has had a, a, a problem, they're looking for someone to say, Do, "Can I pray with you?" You know, okay, you know, where is your daughter? Can I visit? Can my church come out and pray with you? So this is not something that's common for a lot of people. No. They're looking for someone who wants to help solve the problem. Uh, over the last couple of weeks, the Lord has zeroed in for us something that's pretty exciting that we're talking about, and that's we are called to be problem solvers. Hmm. We are called to be, you know, people who handle issues. Well, that's uh, I, the cultivation that God told us to do. I mean, he told us to take the issues we've got and to cultivate them and, and to use the resources of the earth. That's problem solving. Absolutely. Um, when you pull back from everything of how busy all of us are on a day-to-day basis, what are people really looking for? They're looking for someone to love them. They're looking for someone to help solve their problems. Really, it's those two things. When it, it really boils down to it, a person is not very interested in interacting with you if you don't solve a problem for them, if you don't help love them. If you don't fill any of those two areas, you're one of the, those folks that they say, hi, we'll see you later. And <laughs> they talk about football <laughs> and the weather. <laughs> right. And they move on. But if you address a, a problem in their life and you can provide a solution, if you are someone that can handle an issue, if you're someone who can meet a need that they have, you get their attention. That's what gets the attention of people. When we meet the needs of people at work, it and I think it's there's a lot of misinformation. A lot of the needs are not financial needs. Oh, I would agree. You know, they're they're not so meeting that well, need. If they were if they were solve a financial problem, if if they were solve with money, we wouldn't have problems because we've been throwing money at problems for decades. It's not working. No, it's not working anywhere. 
So uh, the reality of it is, if the body of Christ, and especially so many of us that uh, understand that our workplace, uh, uh, our extens- extended families, these are all areas where we're supposed to be ministering to people. If we can come to that understanding that we are problem solvers, we are meant to meet the needs of people, in the midst of doing that, our needs are met. In the midst of doing that, our Heavenly Father is being glorified. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Mm -hmm. If you take a look at everyone, what did Jesus do? He wasn't focused on what land do I have? How big is my house? Which horses or carts are mine? No, he consistently fixed problems. He went around doing good. Well, he hung out with the needy. And yes. he met their needs. That's I mean, it. He hung out with the needy. And, and there are needy people everywhere. I mean, there's no shortness of needy. At all. all right. So let me just, a minute, and, and I, I love what you're saying. And, and it's just keeping the message simple because we're surrounded by needy people who need healing, who need, they just need hope. They need Jesus. Jesus is the answer to all of their problems. But you're a pastor and a pastor's wife and people just naturally think that's what you think. Mm. But it's often played out in your children. Because they've been watching you. Now, they watched you guys go from business people to pastor pastors. Mm-hmm. How have your kids made the transition? How are they dealing with, that was a big turmoil for them. How how has it played out in their faith? Well, um, it, it's been challenging, to sure be honest. I'm sure it has. Uh, they've been used to so many uh, um that that children love to have, luxuries that children love to have. So things have obviously contracted quite a bit Mm -hmm. because I I truly believe it takes time before ministry, you know, just burgeons to being a ministry that's prosperous. Right. You know, uh, and that's been possibly the hardest transition for our children, being able to do without. But uh, in the midst of it, uh, what we have, what Cindy and I have taught our children is never forget what's most important. Uh, are we being uh, true vessels in the hand of the Lord? Do we as a family have uh, quality family time? All right. And think about the things that made you happy before versus the things that make you happy now. Do you still have the love of your mother, your father? Do we still have a close-knit family do we spend quality? Do we go do things together? Right. You know, and all those things are still there. And they realize that, wow. So even though I might not have the latest iPad or, you know, the latest uh, gadget, you know, the things that are most important are still there. We, we have uh, co- uh, church picnics. Uh, our, our children hang out with their friends. So a lot of the things that uh, most children would want to have happen still exist. It's just what has shrunk is the amount of free time that they have because they're more involved in ministry and the amount of uh, more luxurious uh, items. Hmm. Joseph, as we finish up the show today, talk to me about how the the results you've seen in people as you have, as the Lord has used you to help shift their paradigm and recognize that they're ministers in their own workplace. What kind of results are you seeing in people's lives? How are you seeing people's paradigm shift? What has happened is, uh, on, for example, on Fridays, we have counselors on staff. Uh, people can come in and get counseled. Uh, family counseling, children counseling. Uh, we have deliverance ministers on staff. We have people who assist uh, with prayer 
on staff. So these are things that we've provided to the community. And we have seen people come through and we've seen God move in their lives and they go back and they tell other people and they come through. So it's not only a situation of uh, people coming through the church. Our interest is to make such an impact on our community that if we were to move out of that community, the community would say, start another church somewhere, but you guys don't leave mm. because you've made such an important impact on this community. Uh, something I really wanted to get across to you that, that is dear to my wife and I is we do block parties. Okay, that means uh, going into like an apartment complex with uh, uh, where we'll do, uh, we'll have some booths, um, we'll have uh, gospel music, you know, Christian music, and we bring food into the community. We bring clothes. All this is free. And we give these things out to the whole apartment complex. And people come around, they can get medical checkups and everything. It's not them coming to the church. It's us going out into the community. So once again, Jim, we are focused on making a difference in the community. Pastor Joseph Doxa and Cindy, thank you so much for being on I Work For Him. Hey, as we come to the end of another I Work For Him show, thanks for tuning in today. Thanks so much to Ace Andrews for his support and for handling the controls with precision. Thanks so much to our show sponsors. Just look them up on our website, iworkforhim.com. Hey, as you come, as you listen today, what did you learn on how we can take this city for Jesus Christ? What did you learn that challenged the way you can approach your workplace differently than you did today? What did you learn on how we can take this city? You know, we learned today that our churches can equip us to be ready to face whatever we face in our workplaces, but that our community, the people that we work around, the people that we live around, our community desperately needs us to bring hope. As, as Pastor Joseph was talking about, they going in to do block parties in order to just be real amongst the people. People need to see that the church cares about their food needs, their clothing needs, their housing needs. Before they hear about Jesus, they need to know that you love them and that you love them right where they're at. As a representation of what our Heavenly Father did, he's said, listen, I'm going to love you in your dirty filthiness. I loved you before you knew me. That's the message we need to bring of hope to our community because our communities desperately need Jesus. Jesus is the answer to every problem that you've ever heard of. We need to take this city, but we're going to do it by praying and involving ourselves in our community. You've been listening to Higher Work for Him with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower and I own my own business, but ultimately, I work for him. So